Good morning. Why is there something rather than nothing? The first part of our series on, this, on the gospel message, we talked about how there is one God who created everything out of nothing. And at the pinnacle of his creation is humanity, who was created in his image and likeness, created for love and to be loved, to have relationship with him and to extend that love to the world. We also heard last week, why is the world so messed up? Because our first parents, out of deception from the devil, or from the deception of the devil, chose to disobey God. And from that disobeying of God, there was a separation of humanity from the God of life and love. Sin entered the world. Death entered the world. And we were enslaved to the influence of the devil. And as a result, humanity has seen destruction, war, hatred, and brokenness. And there are powers that we're subject to, the powers of sin and death that we cannot save ourselves from. So today the question is, what, if anything, has God done about sin? What has he done about death? And what is it that he wants us to do in response? So we know that after the fall, God drew near to a particular people in the ancient Near East. He revealed himself to them. He delivered them from, from slavery in Egypt. And this God formed covenants with his people. And as he's forming covenants with these people, he's revealing himself through signs and wonders. He, he forms a law and gives them commandments so that they can be his people and, they, and he can be their God. And yet Israel continually sins against God. It cannot keep the covenant. It cannot be faithful to God and it keeps falling away from God. And as a result, the prophets are being sent from God to, to call Israel back to, to, to covenant faithfulness. And throughout the history of the Old Testament, God is sending the prophets to speak to them about how good he is and how he wants them to come back. And in these prophetic utterances, we get this sense of what he wants to do for us. This is what he says in Isaiah chapter 25, which often you'll hear at funerals. Just one of my favorite Old Testament prophecies of Jesus. God will destroy the veil that veils all people the web that is woven over all nations, he will destroy death forever. The Lord God will wipe away the tears from all faces. So in the Old Testament, people understood that death was like a veil that veiled everyone. It was a web from which no one can escape. And yet in the midst of Israel's suffering, God is promising through the prophet Isaiah that there will be a time in which death will be destroyed. That God is going to destroy death. We see in the other prophets, especially Ezekiel, this prophecy about how God is going to give us new hearts. He's going to place his spirit within us. God says, I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. I will remove the stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you so that you may walk in my statutes, observe my ordinances and keep them. You will live in the land I gave your ancestors and you will be my people and I will be your God. So God recognizes that there's something wrong with the human heart, that, that there's no way by which we can be faithful to God and live according to how God made us. So God is going to come and give us new hearts. He's, in fact, he's going to live within us so that we can be his people. And we know all of this is fulfilled in Jesus. That rather than see us enslaved to sin and death under the power of Satan, God does something about our situation and he sends his son Jesus to rescue us. It's interesting, the name Jesus means Yahweh saves or God's salvation, depending on how you interpret it. 
And we also hear in, the, in a prophecy that he shall be named Emmanuel, which means God is with us. So putting those two names together, Jesus means God's salvation is here, that he's come to save us. That's what God does for us in Jesus. So we see in Jesus' ministry as he's teaching about the kingdom of God, he's healing the sick, right? He's delivering people from evil spirits. He's bringing about the very restoration that God's love brings when he comes to save us. Jesus reveals himself as the eternal son of God in whom we have the fullness of salvation where we can completely restore us. And he does so by destroying the works of the devil. What's interesting is that St. John himself says, the reason why the son of God appeared or why he was revealed was to destroy the works of the devil. And so what are the works of the devil? Sin, death, and, and honestly, like this, this um, giving over to his dominion, the, the, the rule of Satan. Jesus has come to destroy all of those. In fact, he does that primarily by means of the cross. I want everyone to look at the cross right here. What is Jesus doing here? Is Jesus merely a victim of Roman crucifixion? Is he merely a victim of the hatred and the rejection of his own people as he preaches a gospel of love? Or is he doing something for us to liberate us, to rescue us? That's precisely what he's doing. He intentionally allowed him to be, become crucified so that he could go to war for us. He could battle for us and rescue us. The church and the scriptures teach that primarily what Jesus is doing on the cross is he's making atonement for our sins so as to reconcile us with God. He's taking what we deserved, that is punishment and death upon himself so that we can give what he deserves, we can get what he deserves, which is life with God and with each other, reconciliation. And he does this because he loves us. Isaiah chapter 53, which is this prophecy about what God does for us in Jesus, this is what it says about in terms of what he does for us. It says, yet it was our pain that he bore, our sufferings he endured, but he was pierced for our sins, crushed for our iniquity. He bore the punishment that makes us whole. By his wounds, we were healed. So think about all the guilt that we, that we have when we sin against God and against others. All the bad things that you've ever done. All the things that you're ashamed of, all the ways in which you've hurt people that you didn't want to hurt, the ways in which you've done things that you know you shouldn't do, and you didn't do the things that you know you should do. Jesus has taken all of that upon himself so that we can be free from it. He's taking that weight off of us so we can live in freedom. And when he does this, he's making expiation for our sins, which is a really powerful thing when you understand what the sacrifices of the Old Testament were. St. John puts it this way. He says, in this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he has loved us and sent his son as expiation for our sins. In the Old Testament, an expiatory sacrifice is a sacrifice made to God in order to wipe away sin from someone. Jesus is so as to reconcile them. Jesus is our expiation. He's the one that pays the price, if you may, that we owe God that we couldn't pay. And this is really what the good news is. This is a gift that we cannot earn. It's all grace. See, St. Paul puts it this way. He says, God who is rich in mercy 
because of the great love he had for us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, brought us to life with Christ. By grace you were saved. I'm sorry, by grace you have been saved. He raised us up, I'm sorry, raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavens in Christ Jesus. In other words, this gift that God gives to us is a gift and we cannot earn it. There's nothing we can do to earn this gift and there's nothing we can do to lose it. What I mean, lose the gift that's given to us. In other words, God loves you and there's nothing you can do about it. We'll, we'll hear next week how we need to respond because God's not going to force the gift upon us. We need to receive it. We'll talk about what that means. But the truth is, is that God shows his love for us in that while we were yet sinners, he sent his son Jesus to die for us. This gift of Jesus' love for us on the cross has all sorts of positive uh, kind of ramifications and what for us. And I want to just go over a few of them. First, Jesus' death on the cross frees us from the power of Satan, and he delivers us into, into his kingdom. A few weeks ago, I preached about this on the kingship of Jesus, right? What Jesus' death had done for us, how he, he pulled us away from the dominion of darkness, says we're no longer enslaved to the influence of the devil. We're no longer enslaved to fear. We're no longer enslaved to hatred and anger, that we, we're actually brought into a new kingdom where, we, where Jesus reigns in love in our life, and we have the forgiveness of sins. St. Paul talks about how, how God has disarmed the principalities and powers, how he's made a public example of them, triumphing over them. That as Christians, we know that as powerful as Satan is, and we learned about that last week, in Jesus, he's no match for us because we have Jesus' authority over the enemy. Now, this certainly doesn't mean that we're not going to battle against the evil one here, because the kingdom of God is not fully here, but that means that he does not have dominion over us anymore. Jesus does. The second thing is that God um, does for us as a result of the cross is that he's destroyed the power of death. This is really, really important. So we often hear this, we see this sign maybe perhaps on, in football games. I haven't seen it as much recently, but you see a sign that says John three sixteen, right? That's kind of a summary go of gospel passage for the gospel. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that everyone who believes in him might have eternal life. I'm sorry, might not perish, but might have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. In other words, the default condition of the human race after the fall is death, eternal death. Without Jesus, all of us are doomed to hell. In fact, that is actually why the gospel is so important. We need to connect people to the power of Jesus because that's the only way by which we can be saved. And this means that Jesus really has, as he's overcome death in the resurrection, saved us from death. We don't have to live in fear. Another reading that often comes up at funerals is uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And when Paul is dealing with this pastoral situation, which people are, are grieving over someone who's died, and Paul says very clearly, we don't want you to be unaware, brothers and sisters, about those who have fallen asleep, so that you don't grieve like the rest who have no hope. Paul is already presupposing, like, hey, as Christians, we grieve very differently from the rest of the world, right? The world that doesn't have faith, that doesn't believe in the resurrection of Jesus, grieves very differently. He says, for we believe that if Jesus died and rose, so too will God through Christ bring with him those who have fallen asleep. So confident we are as Christians in Jesus' victory over death 
that we talk about death differently. Often we say, so-and-so passed away. Passed away to describe death of our body? Well, we, we say pass away because that implies passing into or passing into another form of reality, another, another life. You pass from one life into another life. Sometimes Christians talk about people who have died as having fallen asleep. Now, they certainly don't mean that in a literal sense, but falling asleep meaning they're actually going to wake up into a new life. That death is not the end, it's a new beginning. And so Jesus on the cross destroyed the power of death, and in his resurrection, he restored our life. Number three, Jesus destroys the power of sin and makes us a new creation. Jesus pours out his Holy Spirit into our lives so as to not only forgive our sins, but give us new hearts capable of loving him. And thereby, sin loses its power over us. We're no longer slaves to sin. That means we can love God as he's loved us. We can respond and love each other. That we can live in the freedom of the sons of God. We can be fully alive in him. And this is the result of what he's done for us on the cross. And this is all possible by the Holy Spirit. And finally, Jesus gives us access to the Father. Perhaps one of the most profound effects of the cross is that Jesus shares with us his relationship with the Father, that in Jesus, we can come to know that we know that the Father loves us, that he is a good Father, that he's not against us, he's for us, and we can live in the freedom of knowing that he is our Father. We can live knowing that we are called to live with our Father in heaven. That is one of the best gifts of knowing and living and praying, knowing God is with us and he will provide everything that we need. So in Jesus, God has rescued us from the power of sin and death, and he's freed us from the dominion of Satan. How is God asking us to respond to this? Of everything that Jesus has done for us, how is God asking us to respond? That is the subject of next week's homily.